Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And then now's the time to love. Now's the time for peace. Now's a beautiful feat, a beautiful feat. Of the people, of one who brings peace, as it says in Isaiah 52 7. Isaiah 52 7 says, How beautiful upon the mountain are the feet of them that bring good tidings. It publishes peace. Now that, that, that's, th- this is what God wants to give to the Jewish people. A person who will come and bring them some good news. And he says that in Isaiah 41 27. Isaiah 41 27 is God says, The first shall say to Zion, Behold, behold them. And I will give to Jerusalem one that bringeth good tidings. Good news. So Joseph now, he's monitoring his brothers very carefully. He's watching their reaction. And he, 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 and, and he, and he can see, my brothers have just reached the limit. They've had enough. Enough of the bad news. And now it's some time for some good news. And that's the reason why everything has changed because he saw that his brothers were in danger of what's described in 2 Corinthians 2.7. 2 Corinthians 2.7 is where Paul is speaking to the church of Corinth. They've been hard on this person who has sinned. And then Paul has says, so that contrarywise, you ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. So Joseph now, he is seeing his brothers, and he's saying, you know, there's a danger here. They can be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. So he calls a halt to all the pressure. And, and, and that's a picture when we see Joseph doing that, monitoring and then calling a halt. It's a picture of what God does with us. He monitors just how much pressure we can take. He's watching our pressure, pressure gauges. <laughs> and when he sees that the pressure gets too high, he calls a halt. He says, no, that's too much. <laughs> and that's what he says in 1 Corinthians 10.13. 1 Corinthians 10.13 talks about really God watching the pressure gauges on our lives when he says, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above. You know, that's when the gauge gets to in the red zone. Above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. That's the relief valve. Now, we should expect trouble in life. We have to expect trouble in life. I mean, the Bible's clear about it. In 2 Timothy 3.12, 2 Timothy 3.12, it says, Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's not saying you'll likely suffer persecution, you may suffer persecution. It's saying you will suffer persecution if you live godly in the Lord. 
Now, the Bible further goes on talking about this persecution in Acts 14.22, Acts 14.22, when it says, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Now, that's not saying that we must enter the kingdom of God. That It's not saying that we may encounter tribulation. It's saying we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. So we're going to have trouble in life. We're going to have trouble in life. That's why the saying in Japan, which I've been thinking a lot of right now, after a victory, after a victory, after, after a victory in battle, tighten your helmet straps. That's what it says. And that's correct for the Christian life. But thank God, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, God's faithful to monitor our pressure gauge. He's faithful. He won't suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also may a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So this is what Joseph is doing here. He's monitoring his brothers, making sure that they're being able to, 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 to stand up and, and just the way God does to us as well. And that's when he called stop to it all. Now, when you look at what Joseph is doing now with his brothers, there's one word to describe it, and it's the word comfort, comfort. Again, Joseph is an illustration of what God calls his servants to do with the Jewish people. In Isaiah 40, verse 1, Isaiah 40, verse 1, it says, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. We are to comfort the ones who don't appreciate us. But even though we are at that end, God calls us to comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, cry unto her. Her warfare is accomplished. Her iniquity is pardoned. She's received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. So just like God has one goal now for the Jewish people is to comfort them, and God says that twice, comfort ye, comfort ye, to emphasize it, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my, my people, saith your God. We're, we're not to say to the Jewish people, you killed our God. We're not to do that. That's not comforting. And, we're, and, and even if they're offensive, God calls us to comfort them, comfort them. That's the one goal that Joseph has for, in this chapter for his, his brothers. Comfort them, comfort them. He's, he's not going to them and saying, you caused me a lot of pain and suffering. He's just very concerned with, 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 with how, how, they are, how they are receiving all this. And so, so that, that's why it's so important for us to, to speak with tenderness, speak with love, speak with concern. Not a cold delivery of facts of the gospel to the lost, but with a sensitive heart to them. That's why God says, comfort ye, comfort ye, speak ye comfortably. In other words, deliver it with compassion the gospel. And that's what we see Joseph doing here. And, and so that's why in verse 2, he's crying aloud and asking them to come close to him. And, he, and, and, and it's because he's saying to them that, I miss the closeness of your persons. I want you to come close to me. And then, and then, he, he, and then the ultimate expression of this comfort is when in verse 14 and 15, he falls on the, his brother Benjamin's neck. He cries on the neck. The warm tears running down Benjamin's neck. Those spoke more than the words. He kisses his brethren. He weeps upon them. No one says, no one says, you're getting my neck wet. (laughs) Nobody says those things because those tears and the feeling of those tears on those necks spoke more to them 
than anything he said. And that's why after the tears, after on the neck and so forth, that's why it says in verse 15, and after that, his brethren talked with him. So that's, that's a picture for us. Now, the message that we're to give to the lost is, especially the Jewish people, the war's over. Your warfare is accomplished. Your iniquity is pardoned. It's over. The war is over between the Jewish people and Jehovah Jesus. It's over. It's finished. And that's the message that God wants to be given to the, to the Jewish people. The war's over. Your iniquity is pardoned. There's forgiveness now. Now's the time. Here you come out and, and, and accept this invitation that Jehovah Jesus gives in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And in Isaiah 1, 18, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Your sins be as scarlet, they'll be as white as snow. In Isaiah 55, 1, ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And then they should understand Zechariah 13, 1, Zechariah 13, 1. In that day there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. So this is the message of forgiveness. And this is the message that Joseph is delivering to his brothers, forgiveness. And he's telling his brother, he's telling his brothers, I forgive you. Just like the Lord was saying to those who crucified him, who were crucifying him, I forgive you. When they heard him say, Luke 23, 34, Luke 23, 34, and then said, Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his, gar- his raiment, cast lots. And that's what the Lord is telling us to do. You must forgive. And he says that in, in Matthew 6, 12, Matthew 6, 12, where it says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, a debtor is someone who owes you something. So the question is, who are our debtors? It's not just money, because debtors are the people in our lives who have hurt us and wronged us. Now, is there anybody in this room who has not had somebody hurt them or wronged them? <laughs> I never met anybody. That would be an unrealistic life. And, and, and so, so those are the people who owe us something. Isn't it interesting that when people today use the term owe, when talking about somebody who hurt them or wronged them, they say, that person owes me what? Apology, an apology. He owes me, you owe me an apology. You know, right? He owes me an apology. That's an expression of debt. They're indebted to us. They're debtors. And so this prayer is about our debtors. Now, we know this, this is a pretty familiar verse here because it's part of a, a prayer that starts off with, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's a pretty familiar prayer. You know, right? and, 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 and that's the most important prayer. That, that's the Lord's prayer. So this is a really important verse when it says, Forgive us our debtors as we forget those who, however it goes. But that word as is really important. That little word as is really important in this verse. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That word as is so important. Why? Because the word as means in the same way or just like we do. All right, now here's my question. I want you now to, to, to think a horrible thought. I want you to think of all the sins that you've ever committed in your life. Every one since the time you were born, and you can all remember when you were born. So <laughs> don't miss one sin. 
You make sure you've got them all in your mind right now. Is that a pleasant thought? It's not. Now, now I want you to think about what percentage of those sins you have repented of. All right? Well, what do you think? Is it, is it 100%? Is it 80%? Is it 50%? Is it 10%? Is it 1%? You know? I mean, what percentage of all of the sins that you've ever committed have you really repented of? I mean, does anybody think that they've repented of 100% of all the sins that they've ever committed? Does anybody, does anybody really think that they, they have actually confessed and forsaken every sin that they've ever committed? Is there anyone who's willing to stake his life on it? Stake his life that, yeah, you've, yeah, that, 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 that say, yeah, I've, I've, I've repented of every sin that I've ever committed and I'm willing to stake my life on it. I mean, I think we can all agree that there are some sins that we have not repented of. Okay, now, if you had a choice that you can either be forgiven by God for only those sins that you repented of, or you can be forgiven by God for all your sins, whether or not you've repented of them or not, which one are you going to choose? <laughs> which one are you going to choose? I don't know exactly what the word rhetorical means, but I think this is one of them, a rhetorical question. Now, of course, we want to be forgiven by God for all our sins, whether or not we've repented of them or not. We want to be forgiven by God even for the, 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 the sins we didn't repent of or we just gave this lighthearted, insincere, sorry about that, sorry about that, sorry about that, God. We want to ask God, Lord, please forgive us for, forgive us for all our sins including the ones we haven't repented of. That's our prayer to God. Now, this is where the word as comes in, 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 in Matthew 6, 12, when it says, forgive us our debts as we forgive others. And forgive us our debts in the same way that we forgive others. So when we pray a prayer like that, and God hears us, Say, you know, Lord, please forgive us of all of our sins, even the ones I haven't repented of. Then God says, really? He says, show me. Show me. See, that's what that word as is is all about in Matthew 6, 12. God is saying to us, you want me to forgive you of all your sins, even the ones you haven't repented of? Okay, I'll make a deal with you. I'll forgive you of your sins that you haven't repented of if you forgive people who have wronged and hurt you and have not repented of them. See, that's where the word as comes in. In Matthew 6, 12, God is saying to us, sure, I'll forgive you the sins you haven't apologized for if you forgive people who have not apologized to you. See, that's that word as in Matthew 6, 12. It's saying to us, you show me, God's saying to us, you show me how you want me to forgive you. You want me to forgive you all your sins you haven't repented of? Then you go out and forgive those who haven't repented and who haven't apologized to you. Show me. Show me how you want me to forgive you. And that's why that little two-little word as is so powerful in Matthew six twelve, God is saying to us, he's, saying that he's gonna forgive us in the same way that we forgive others. And if we want God to forgive us of all of our sins, even the ones we haven't repented of, then we have to do that too. So if God said, if God's saying that, okay, 
He's going to forgive us in the same way that, that, that we forgive others. What do we got to do? We got to go forgive those who have sinned against us, wronged against us, hurt us, even when they haven't repented of us. And that's why this word is so important as in, in Matthew 6.14. Now, this is the position that Joseph is in, in verse 5. Because in verse 5, Joseph is looking at his brothers, and there's a question in Joseph's mind here. And the question is, had they really repented? Had they really repented? Is this really a complete and genuine repentance here? You know, like the jury, Joseph could say, I haven't pulled the brothers, you know, and heard from every one of them that he's sorry for what he did to me. And frankly speaking, there really is a valid question as to whether each and every one of these brothers has repented of his sins toward Joseph. I mean, after all, the only person who's crying in the room, persons, the only persons who are crying in the room are just Joseph in verses 2, 14, and 15, as we saw, and Benjamin in verse 14. The rest of the brothers are not crying. They got dry eyes, and they just started talking to Joseph in verse 15. I mean, you know, you could, you could see Joseph looking at them and saying, hey, not one wet eye except for Benjamin. Benjamin and I are the only ones holding the Kleenex box. <laughs> None of the other brothers are asking for Kleenex. I don't think my brothers really repented. I just think they were scared and they were relieved to be out of trouble. That's all. I mean, he had reasons to doubt if his brothers really did repent. But that doesn't affect Joseph forgiving his brothers because he understands, Joseph understands, God's going to forgive me in the same way that I forgive my brothers. And Joseph knows that he's got some sins that he hasn't repented of. Who doesn't? And so Joseph knows he must fully, he must completely forgive his brothers if he wants to be fully and completely forgiven by God. And the Lord further said to us that when you pray, when you're praying, and in, in, a, in the time you're praying, you remember a person that you have not forgiven. Why would you remember that when you're praying? Because God is sitting there pushing a button, saying, you know, that person right there, right there, he says, right there and then, God says you have to forgive that person right there when you're in prayer. He says that in Matthew eleven twenty five. Matthew eleven twenty five. He says, when you stand praying, praying, when and when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Joseph had no choice. He had no choice but to forgive his brothers, whether or not they had sincerely repented. And we have no choice but to forgive everyone who has hurt us whether or not they have sincerely repented. Too much was at stake for Joseph to not forgive, which was his relationship with God for Joseph not to forgive his brothers. Too much is at stake for us, which is our relationship with God for us not to forgive and to hold on to a bitterness, which is the cancer of the soul. Now, we've seen how Joseph was more concerned about his brothers than he was about himself when he said in verse 5, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves, you sold me hither. But now in verse 5, Joseph has said, you sold me hither, and he's put this great problem on the table, you know, the elephant in the room. 
And this is the issue, uh, uh, the, uh, this is the whole issue. The brothers sold Joseph as a slave. I mean, this issue of selling Joseph as a slave is threatening to make the brothers fall into depression. Because that's what he's talking about when he says, don't be grieved and angry with yourself. It's, being, it's threatening them to become depressed. And this issue of Joseph being sold as a slave is threatening to make Joseph bitter and, 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 and his brothers. See, these are the two problems today. These are the two great problems that people suffer from today. Depression and bitterness. Depression and bitterness. It's been estimated that one out of four people in the U.S. today are on a, are on a psychotropic drug to treat either depression or bitterness. Depression or bitterness. And like the brothers, we've all done things We've all done things in our lives that we wish we hadn't done, that we're angry with ourselves for having done, and those are the things that threaten to put us into depression. Depression. And like Joseph, we have, all, we, have, we have all had things done to us in life that we wish would, had not been done. And we're angry with the offenders. In the first case, we're angry with ourselves. It makes us depressed. In the other case, we're angry with the offenders who did those to us, and those are the things that threaten to drive us into bitterness. So here in this passage is the dealing with these two problems, depression and bitterness, the two greatest psychological problems today that man faces. Depression that was threatening the brothers of Joseph. Bitterness that was threatening Joseph. And Joseph is now going to deal with these in verse 5. The problem of how his brothers are going to overcome depression for what they did to Joseph. The problem of how Joseph is going to overcome bitterness for what they did to him. Okay, so you ready? Here we go. So Joseph is going to give him the answer for how to overcome depression and bitterness. It's in verse 5. And he says, Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. So the answer to the question and the solution to the problem is one word, God. So if you were kids in Sunday school class, whenever you get asked a question, you either say God or Jesus, and you got it right nine or ten, out of ten times, right? That's the right answer. Okay, so here Joseph has been faced with this problem of, uh, uh, of seeing depression in his brothers, of bitterness in himself, and he gives the remedy when he says God. God did send me before you to preserve life. That's Joseph's state of mind. God did send me before you. Joseph is thinking along the lines of what it says in Psalm 105, verse 16. Psalm 105, verse 16 says, Moreover, he called God. He called for a famine upon the land. He break the whole staff of bread. Verse 17, 105, 17. Psalm 105, 17. He sent a man before him, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant. So Joseph just saw in everything that he happened in his life, God. And for Joseph, things didn't just happen in life. For Joseph, life was not a matter of being in the wrong places at the wrong times. God was behind it all. God has good purposes in what he does. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Do you have fatigue or trouble getting out of bed or just getting through the day? Are you so tired you can't focus? Do you feel like your life is drained away? Do you have fibromyalgia headaches? I have good news for you. Our doctors at Scanabody's Imaging and Therapy can give you cellular ozone therapy. Why not get your energy back now by calling us at 1-888-529-9016 or visit us at treatmyfatigue.com. 